0: My name is Aaron Bross and this is The Dirt, Confessions of a Tree Planter. Art for this podcast comes from another tree planter, Bethany Davis, as part of her illustration series, Follow the Trees. This is a podcast about tree planting as a reforestation practice in the silviculture industry. Tree planters are a collective of people who spend much of their lives replenishing a logged area with new forest. However, tree planting is so much more than the physical act of planting thousands of seedlings in the ground day after day as a job. It is about the connections, experiences, bonds, and memories that last a lifetime. The dirt is a place to shed light on the culture that is mostly contained within those who have stuck a shovel in the ground. It is meant to dive deep into all things tree planting as a place for those to reminisce, relate, or to learn. So wherever you're coming from, as any tree planter would say, may the planting gods be with you. Hey folks, here we are coming at you with another episode. Uh, This one is with a really good friend of mine, uh, Alicia Peterson. And Alicia has not only been planting for a bunch of years, um, but she's also been working towards becoming a pilot, um, a fixed wing pilot. And so, yeah, we basically talk all about that and just the ways that she has sort of navigated and supported her journey to becoming a pilot with tree planting. Um, So yeah, we cover, you know, her entry into the tree planting world, which started back east in Ontario, and just like the whole transition for her coming out to BC and how that went. And that was actually the year that I met her and we planted together. Um, we were on the same crew. And yeah, just like watching her journey unfold since then, you know, we talk about all of that. And, you know, I wanna keep in mind as well that we recorded this last winter, so last February actually. And um, yeah, I just wanted to sort of provide a bit of an update on, you know, this past season for her and kind of where she's at now. Um, and so yeah, you know, at the time she was really like struggling a lot with um yeah, sort of like the choosing or, or of, of doing both at the same time and not feeling like, you know, she was fully investing in the flying or in the planting because she was kind of juggling both. But, um, yeah, she just wanted to share these realizations that she had this summer. And so I've also posted this in the show notes, but I'm even just going to read her words here right now. It's been a while since I listened, but I feel like this was my realization this summer. So if it's not clear in the interview... I took two paths at the same time, planting and flying, which made me struggle emotionally, believing at times that I wasn't doing my best and not putting enough effort into one. But the truth is I couldn't have done one without the other. Tree planting gave me strength and confidence and money, of course, to push me ahead of the game. So when I'm ready to put my shovel down, I'll be able to jump right into the cockpit and start my second career. So that's basically where she's at now. Um, is that you know this past season for her really helped resolve those issues that she had been struggling with and and things that she had definitely been sp- struggling with internally uh, when I talked to her and when this interview was recorded last February so so she's really kind of moved into more clarity with that um, and that was only really through. Through her planting season this year, you know, her being able to push through all those mental struggles that she was going through and to just gain a lot more confidence. And so now, now, yeah, she's kind of in this spot where where she's realized that, you know, um, flying wasn't her her first path in life but but it was her second um, because tree planting was her first path and so this episode is yeah just about like navigating our paths in life and accepting that there can be many of them you know that there's not always just one and of course the beauty of, of tree planting and all of that so I hope you all enjoy this conversation and yeah keep uh, staying tuned for more and more episodes coming out here throughout the month of December and thank you again so much for listening <laughs> Alicia welcome to the show hi Erin how are you I'm doing not too shabby and yourself yeah pretty good pretty good uh, cloudy afternoon here so Alicia of course I know who you are um, but the listeners may not so uh, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself
1: um a short summary of me is that I I live in Golden DC Um, I've been here for almost 10 years. I study to become a pilot in the winter, and in the summertime, I plant trees. And I've done that for about five years now.
0: And uh, yeah, right on. yeah, and so I'm curious because um, I don't actually know. Uh, and It's been interesting because even people I, I know who I interview on here, I generally don't know anyone's stories about how they got into tree planting. So I'm curious how you did. Oh, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it's a weird one
1: because I had no, I, like I mean, I guess a lot of people don't really know what they're doing or heard about tree planting, but I heard about it from a friend when I was in university in uh, Kelowna in, um, I guess it would have been 2010, 2011. And I really had no idea what I was going to do that summer. And I applied to like a bunch of tree planting companies and I got in with one in Ontario. And after I got in was when I started doing research and I was kind of like, what have I got myself into? (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, and and even my brothers were kind of like, I don't know, like you should maybe look at other options. Like, I don't think a lot of people do very good when they go and it's really tough
0: and blah, 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 but I did it and it was amazing. (laughs) So you started out your first season then in Ontario. I did. Yeah.
1: Um, I was actually in BC at the time, but it's a funny story because I applied for like 10 different companies, but I put my contact information wrong on all my um, resumes. And so, I don't know, maybe I didn't get called back by any of them, but there was only one company who, like, called me directly from, like, like, the phone number I put, but all my other information was wrong. So, and they were the only ones, so I ended up going with them in Ontario. I would have preferred to stay in D.C. because I was already out here, but it worked out great because it was a great first year and I went back to the second year. So
0: So you eventually, um, you know, switched out to BC because of course that's where I met you when we planted together. Um, so I'm curious about, yeah, how many years did you spend in Ontario and and what made you then finally switch to to BC? Um, I did,
1: um, I was really competitive and probably still a bit competitive, my first two seasons and um, my first season I wanted to be the high baller. And then the second season I went back to achieve that. But I felt like all I wanted to do was come out to BC. Cause that was like where the money was and the most experienced sponsors Like our, I worked in a camp of basically just rookies my first and second year. And I really wanted to like get into the industry and learn from people. I didn't want to be like the veteran for like, you know, you don't really learn much and don't get far. So that was kind of my goal coming out to BC. Um, and that was my third year that I met you. And we were in um, the camp together
0: in Vanderhoof or around the area. I think, or uh, we, were we up by FSJ at that point? We might have been. Yeah, I think yeah. we were way, way, way down some. I feel like that camp was really far away from Fort St. James. But I think it was Fort St. James. Yeah, and it was, like, my first
1: season with the car, and I felt like I was, like, kind of just put my head down and try to, like, learn the ropes of BC planting, and I felt, like, super out of my zone, and then I remember, I don't remember exactly when you got to camp, but you kind of, like, took me under your wing, and it felt so great to have a person to talk
0: to. (laughs) Yeah, I remember we had some pretty bad blocks. (laughs) uh or at least uh or at least I had some bad pieces I remember one of the days uh especially because I still have a video I made from that day this like little like selfie video I recorded because my piece was like so ridiculously filled with just like a jungle of devil's club and stinging nettle everywhere
1: <laughs> oh, I remember that that was like yeah. the last thing you planted on and we were both on tape. Like,
0: out of here yeah uh so I'm I'm curious too um like uh how did you like how do you feel about tree funding? you obviously like took to it um when you started like were you kind of yeah because obviously you'd researched it and you were like oh shit like what am I getting myself into but then you went and you obviously liked it so how did that go? And then, yeah how how did it go as well? Switching to BC that year, um, just like how do you feel about all of it?
1: I um, I started on a crew. Uh, like we were at a really small camp. There was two crews. Both crews was like fourteen, and my crew was really t- like we were really tight and like super close to the end. And I. Con- like kind of always been like a bit of a independent I wouldn't say loner I do like being social but I would never really had really close friends growing up and that was the first time I felt like super close to people like I could open up and be myself and it was like um super rewarding and then that plus you know I really enjoyed challenging myself every day um and You know, I said I was really competitive and, like, all I wanted to do was just get high, high numbers my first and second year. And I did that, like, my second year. I went back just so I could get high baller. Like, that was, like, my goal. Which, I mean, if I had to do it all over again, I probably would calm down a little bit and not go so hard. But I did enjoy that. And my third year coming out to BC was, like, a bit of a shock because, um... You know, it took me a long time to get up to that 2K, which I hit like my first day, my second year, and then um, I, you know, I could put four thousand in easily, like every shift. But then, like coming to BC, like I had a hard time even hitting three, and so that was like tough, as hard pill to swallow for me because I felt like I was so good and and I knew what I was doing, but it's such a it everything kind of looks the same land-wise but it it feels a lot different when you're out there and you and the quality has to be a lot better um and that kind of thing so and there's always people around like I felt like in Ontario like I would hardly ever see anybody during the day but in DC there's like quality checkers and like your crew boss comes around to see you a bunch and like you know there's partner planting and stuff like that that is kind of hard to get into but it's also enjoyable because it like at least like learning stuff like you don't there's not a plateau there's like continuous learning and improving and that's really fun
0: yeah and so I mean of course you were able to adapt and you have remained here in BC um, so how many years have you been in the tree planting game for now um,
1: th- this season will be my tenth um, so I've done nine seasons of planting and I've only ever planted. I have was approached once or twice to become a crew boss, but I never really wanted the responsibility of other people. (laughs) I like just like me and my shovel is there.
0: And how do you feel uh, saying that, you know, like that you've been doing this for a decade? Cause I know for me, um, yeah, you're just like, wow, that's that's a long time.
1: It is a long time, and you know, it, it does feel really good. I like when I'm just sitting here talking to you. I'm like, oh yeah, nine years. It's been like it's in my career for ten years. It's where I've made my money to live the life I live, which I'm very happy with. But you know, I, I um, part time, I drive a shuttle for the Kissimmee Mountain Resort, um, just like on the weekends. And um, my first couple of days, there was a couple of lifties in my. Then and they were talking about tree planting that they went tree planting this year it was first time and talking about it to me like kind of like explaining it to me <laughs> and they're like what do you do and I was like yeah tree plant for nine years like it felt like it felt really good to be like yeah what you're describing is like it's like you didn't have a great experience or
0: it was really hard I was like yeah done that for a long time <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <It's> kind of like <laughs> Yeah, it is funny. Um, Cause I find that, um, you know, I was just, uh, I don't know when I'll release yet, but I kind of recorded this thing about planting the other day. And, and I, I talk about how I can pick out planters like in a store or in a crowd or in a, in a room just from like the words that come out of their mouth and the way they talk. Um, and I think you know, I can do that because I've been in it so long and I've been surrounded by it so long and it's like become such a big part of who I am. And so I think it's, it's always funny when, cause yeah, your, your, first or your second year, you might not quite be there yet where you can recognize planters everywhere. And so, um, yeah, I've had that before too. And usually from yeah newer planters, not always, but, but yeah, it's just kind of funny when, when someone's talking to you about something and, and uh and yet yeah, they have no idea of your background and you know they're basically just describing something or trying to describe something to you that's like actually been your life um so yeah I, that's just interesting
1: it um if you said it before in one of your first podcasts that um it's such a small community and it really really is like once you kind of like can tell like somebody's planted before it's like you can make that connection or you've maybe even been in the same camp with them or whatever and that's like it's really nice to have that like connection to people
0: yeah totally so I'm curious you know this is a great segue into this question of how has tree planting changed or impacted your life
1: um well I started I'm like not very young but I feel like I was pretty young I was pretty Um, malleable, malleable, is that the right word? Right. Like I think I was 19 officially. I turned 19 when I first started. So, you know, it's just leaving my teen years and um, I was definitely struggling a lot. I, I went, I moved out to Whistler right after high school. And then I went to university in Kelowna, which was good. I really enjoy studying um, I'm not the best at it, you'd say, and so when I went to study, um, I was in Bachelor of Arts just because I knew knew I needed to go to school if I was going to, and it wasn't a great time for me. I felt really out of place, and I got a little depressed, and it was hard for me to connect with anybody. And so I came away from that, and I went to tree planting, and I think like part of me was scared that I would like dive deeper into a hole because it. I knew that it was going to be challenging. But making the connections I did in camp, there's so many different people there. And I used to say my first and second year that, like, like everybody out there, you're just out in the wild, and there's nothing you can be but yourself. Like, you can't pretend to be something else. And that's like, was super refreshing for me, and I felt, like, connected to everybody around me and everything and it definitely made me more confident. I've always come off as a confident person, but I walked away from tree planting my first and second and third year, just like a little more confident in like who I am as a person. So I could like go away into my real life or what I called my real life back then and know what I wanted to do confidently and not just go to school just because I knew that that was what I was supposed to do or whatever, you know?
0: Yeah, Totally. And uh you know with this job of course you know highs and lows <laughs> um so I'm curious you know just like maybe first thing that comes to your mind uh when I ask the question of what is your favorite tree planting memory
1: My favorite tree planting memory um it's a hard one for me because I have so many there's not a many days that I come back and I'm grumpy. I mean, like maybe a few of them, but most days I'd say 90% of my days I've, I've had a good day and I'm just happier. You know, I, I just love planting. And so, um, I could not pin down one particularly good memory. Like I, I didn't, I spent maybe five years in camp and I, a lot of people go for the camp experience and that wasn't really the highlight for me. It was it's just being out on the block in nature, like listening to my podcast or listening to the trees or the, watching my dog run around the block, chase animals, like whatever. It's just like, I just love
0: it. <laughs> I can't pin that one down. So do you have a particular uh, worst tree plotting memory that comes to mind? I have
1: one that comes to mind. It's um, not necessary. I mean, it, it's definitely the worst. Experience I've had probably ever. Um, but, well, just I guess it's a bit of a long story, but I'll try to shorten it. My, uh, we were on a six pack, and my friend we saw was getting close to about four grizzly bears. And so we tried to tell him uh, they were on the road and he wasn't on the road. So we started yelling at him to like not go to the road but as we learned afterwards what you're supposed to do is tell them the positive thing to do and not the negative so all he heard was go to the road so he went up to the road and was basically surrounded by a family of grizzly bears which was terrifying and i definitely was a little traumatized by that cuz one of them even like charged at him but my dog thankfully i have no idea where he was most of that day came running out from somewhere and like cut the bears off and like took them all into the woods, which was great because my do- my friend was fine, but then my dog was in the woods with grizzly bears. And I could see that the mom had stood up in the woods. Like you could see her head at the top of like this 20 year old block. And I just like basically blacked out. I don't even remember how my dog came back. Cause I was like, he's a goner, but that was definitely the worst memory. Um, and of course, we had like talk afterwards, and everybody was like um, a little traumatized with the whole thing. But we came together as a crew, and like we got out of there. We didn't go back to that block. And since then, I'm I'm still a little bit. I was never super afraid of bears. I've always been a little more wary of the moose. But ever since then, like I get like super scared if I the bear like even if i'm in the vehicle like it's like it's like ooh, my like body all clinches up just like but i always have my dog so and he's a great bear dog so that's
0: yeah we're clearly clearly is a great bear dog if you fend it off like a whole family of them that's awesome yeah i mean earlier that season there was it was a bear bat
1: bad bear season but he like he never chased them he just like showed his ground And so I knew that, like, he was good, because I know that some dogs can scare bears and bring them back. They'll chase them, and then they'll chase them back to you. Yeah. And um, I've never actually seen that, Um, but, yeah, my dog's been pretty, like, just stands his ground, and then will just stay with me on the block if there is any animals around, which sometimes can be hard, because if, if I know he's seen something, I can kind of tell the way he's acting, so then the rest of my day I just have to be, like, aware that there's something around which kind of just sucks because I'd rather just not
0: be aware. (laughs) And how do you feel um, like, because of course you've had a portion of your planting career where you didn't have a dog and now you do Um, like just curious about the comparison of those. um, Yeah. Kind of different times for you and you know, like, do you, do you wish you'd had a dog all along or yeah, you kind of glad you got one when you did and you're glad to have one now, especially where you work now, um, which is, which is definitely grizzly country. Yeah, definitely. I, we have, we don't have a ton of dogs on our crew,
1: but we do have quite a few and um, they're all, they all can be kind of loud. So that's really nice. And also where we are now is like our pieces are a lot smaller because we don't it's like mountains, so people are closer together. So it's like a lot more secure. But if I had had a dog back in Ontario, I feel like I would have been a lot more comfortable. I didn't really, like I, like our camp company didn't allow dogs, but I always thought in my head, when I get to BC, I'm getting a dog. <laughs> um, and I think it was, yeah, my fourth year I had Jude. And, um, that was that year, actually, it was really bad bears. And I thought to myself, maybe there have always been bears around, but I never noticed before, but I've no idea if that ever would have happened, but yeah, I definitely love having Jude out there. The other thing is when I'm having a bad day and he's around, it just makes me feel better. Like if he's smiling and he's happy, he's, you know, chasing squirrels or digging poles, whatever, like it's it just looks like refreshing to have a company out there.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, so I want to talk of course about, you know, your, your winter gig and you know, how you're becoming a pilot, which is super rad and amazing. Um, so yeah, tell us about how that came about, like how you decided to, to do that and, and just, yeah, the story of, of getting to where you are now.
1: Um, well, I'll start off by saying I've always wanted to be a pilot. I can't remember a day I didn't want to be. Um, so that was something that has always been in the back of my mind. Of course, like I said, when I went, moved to Whistler and then I was in university back then, I didn't have the confidence I do now to say that, yeah, I can be a pilot. Like, that's the thing I can do. Like, I just, I always just thought it was like, oh, that's a fantasy, um, so planting has kind of given me the the confidence and the power and the um, the financial ability to do that. Like I, I think maybe four years ago it was. Um, I think I just it was like one day after planting, I was like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna go home and get my private license." I mean home because of my. My parents lived in Kingston, Ontario, and they lived right by the airport. And I just thought that would be easy. It was, it's a nice airport where it's like a little busy but not too busy. And um, there's two flying schools there, so like I could rent and go whenever the day was nice and that kind of thing. So um, yeah, I called my dad and I said, "Can I come and stay at your guys' place for a couple months?" And you, he's always want he's always wanted me to pursue that passion. So of course, they were super supportive. And um and I went home and I started and it was um super easy at first because it's like you know the basics of flying and it's just fun. And you go and you go up with your instructor until your instructor thinks that you're good to go by yourself and then you do all that. But um it's, and it's still really fun, but it's super hard. Like I find myself every day now like going oh can I do this like it's it's for a reason that people don't pursue this passion it's, it's very costly and it's timely and it can be emotionally draining for sure but I'm so glad to have my still it's like this backup that's like okay if this doesn't work you still have tree planning
0: and so what um stage are you at right now like what what kind of pilot do you want to become or do you know Um, so it's, so there's two,
1: so I'm a fixed wing pilot, first of all, um, that means I fly airplanes and not helicopters. Um, and then within both actually helicopters and airplanes, there's VFR and IFR and VFR is visual flight rules and IFR is instrument flight rules. So if you're flying, um, a commercial jet, like WestJet or whatever, that's IFR like instruments, they fly on their instruments. And then if you were to, like, um, fly in a little plane and go sightseeing, that's visual. That's, like, visual flight rules. So um, you start off, well, I started off with my visual, my VFR. So I have my VFR private license, which just means I can um, I can fly any most single engine airplanes. And, like, I could take you up for a flight if you wanted to go if so the weather was nice and There's no clouds that we could that had to go through or anything like that. So um but the next step up from that is the commercial license and it's pretty well all the same stuff, but you have but you can work, they say work for reward. So you can basically work. So like I could work for a skydiving company or things like that. Um and then within your commercial and even within your private, you can get what they call ratings. So there's a whole bunch of different ratings. There's like um, your float plane rating or your night rating or your uh, over the top rating. You can get, you can get an IFR rating, which means you can fly with your instruments. So all those things you can like, like you can even work on those things while you're getting your commercial because to get your commercial, you need 200 hours. So what I did was I went to Victoria and I got my night, my, my night rating last year. And that was like 20 hours. And so that goes on to the 200 hours of your commercial. And then I got my seaplane rating also in Victoria. And so that's like 10 hours. And so that goes on to your 200 hours to go commercial. So it's just kind of building up like that. And the best way to do it is to get ratings. And, and it's really fun. Like I didn't like I'm studying and I'm working hard, but like I got to fly a seaplane around Victoria and went and landed on a whole bunch of lakes on the Island and, on the ocean and that was just like, so cool. Like, like that experience was amazing. Of course, now I got my seaplane rating and I can do stuff with that as well. So
0: yeah. So my I've... next. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: My, the next step that I'm working on currently is my IFR because that way I can get a job with commercials, commercial jets or like it, like a bigger and better job than just like skydiving. So that's my hope. And I'm just studying right now and I'm going to get some IFR hours.
0: So do you want to fly commercial? Like, do you want to fly big jets or are you more, um, like you want to do more of the smaller, um, maybe more in the private industry? Like, do you have a preference in fixed wings? Like, do you want to be a float plane pilot? Or would you rather fly more landlocked, um, with, you know, uh, fixed wings with wheels, but yeah, maybe smaller, more private planes. Um, or maybe you're still figuring that out. Like as you try out these different, um, avenues and, you know, get the hours added on. Um, but yeah, I'm curious. Um, it's my My attitude towards it all has changed
1: so drastically, like from like year to year I started out and I was like, I love VFR flying. I love seeing the ground and being close to it and um, and I was like I'm going to be a bush pilot and that's going to be what I'm going to do um, of course then I got my seaplane rating and I was like this is amazing I want to fly float planes this is so great I you can go and land on any lake you go to or you know um, you can fly for Harbor Air from Victoria to Vancouver and that's like they got really great schedules um, but it, it's just changed so much. I've like in the last year, I I've traveled around a little bit. I've mostly been in golden for 10 years, but I've kind of, I went, I was in Pepperton last year for a few months and Terrace before that actually with you. Um, and so there's been a few times where I left golden and all I really want to do is live here in golden and the opportunities for flying from golden are very little and uh, But you can drive into Calgary and fly for anybody there because that's, like, a big hub there. Um, also, Cranbrook has a really great airport um, that people fly out of to the north for work and stuff. Um, so I, at this point in my, my life, I kind of just want to get to the multi-IFR rating point and try to get a job that way so that I can stay in Golden because I really do love it here. I would love to fly float planes but um, it's not really practical for me because I kind of need a float plane to build hours. (laughs) It's um, float planes because you rent planes from schools. When you rent a float plane, most schools only have one. And so if you were to go out solo on a float plane and land on a lake and then something were to happen, that school would have no way to get to you and like rescue you or whatever. So a lot of them don't just rent out you can get your writing with schools because you go with an instructor. But um, after that, they don't usually just rent it out to build hours. So in order to build hours on a flow plane, you need to kind of have access to one. And I don't have that means at this point in my life. So I kind of just like put that to the side for now. I'm not saying that I won't ever do that, but um, it's just not something that's possible for me.
0: Yeah, and to buy a float plane, that's not exactly cheap, so... No, it's cheap,
1: and I do, like, I, like, follow, like, aviation um, forums and stuff, and I'm always, like, looking at them, and I'm like, oh, like, soon, like, maybe in 10 years after I've flown multi-IFR for a few years, you know?
0: And so... You know, I'm curious because of course you mentioned you were in school, um, you know, in your kind of after high school, uh, like everybody else, you, well, not everybody else, but like a lot of people, you, uh, you know, went into university, but yeah, you were just in art. So I'm curious because you've mentioned that you've always had this dream to be a pilot and you didn't pursue it right away. Was it was it uh, a confidence thing or was it like a confidence and maybe a financial thing? Like, I'm, I'm curious, um, how planting has contributed to pursuing your career? Like, is it, is it kind of those two things that then made you sort of walk away from university and finally go towards this? Um, yeah. It's definitely hugely financial.
1: I, um, I left university. Um, I mean, I originally went to university just because, I was getting too comfortable not at school and I know myself and I knew that I would, I wanted to go to school, but I didn't know what for. So I just figured I'd throw myself in. Pa- I went to bachelor of art, but I like studied like physics because physics is my favorite subject. And uh, I did some math classes and stuff like that. So I just kind of like did a broad, trying to figure out what I wanted. Um, and then when I went to tree planting, I applied for actually some adventure tourism programs. So I came actually here to Golden to the College of the Rockies for the Adventure Tourism program, which is a two-year course, which I finished. Um, it was fun experience, but um, you know, coming out of the other end, I didn't really feel like that was what I wanted to do. Um, of course, it's kind of cool because there is a lot of flying in adventure tourism, and and it is a business program that I did. So you know, sightseeing. Here in Golden with an airplane, Um, you know, I could start a business there. And I could, I feel kind of comfortable that that's something that I could possibly do in the future. But um, it was when I first did my, I think I did two years at College of Rockies. And then the following year after I decided to go and do my license, my private license. And then I wanted to go to school at, Mount Royal in Univers- in um, in Calgary. They have an aviation program that's two years, and they basically spit you out and you're a commercial pilot, and a lot of people just get swallowed up by that and are now WestJet or whatever, and especially now it's that um, they're really looking for pilots. So that would have been, like, really great, and that would have been, like, so it would have been in this industry for, like, two years already. But it was quite costly and i when i went into the school and i asked a bunch of people like where, like where do you get your funding from because like i like i don't have that money and i you can't just apply for student loans it's not enough and like everybody i talked to just seemed to have like like they're you know they had the money and savings or like they got scholarships and like stuff like that like so it was I, Tried to do that for a few months, and I lived in Calgary, and I tried to get a job, and I couldn't even get a job on the side. And it was, like, it was a pretty terrible time for me, and I really regret that part of my life. I wish I just didn't even think about going to Calgary because it was, like, just a total flop for me. So when I went tree planting, it was really easy for me to tree plant, make money, and then spend that money on as many hours as I could get. And so it's been a slower process for me, but I've not put myself in any kind of debt from it. Like I make the money, I put money aside for living and then the rest of my money goes towards flying. And so it's also been a really fun experience for me because I don't feel the pressure to like have to spend more money than I have or go into debt. And I can just fly when I can. And it's, it's fun. Like I, I'm free of that, Um, you have to get this done, you have to pay for it now. And, you know, I'm really enjoying the process.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Um, because yeah, I I just know I've worked with many, many pilots and I know the kind of debt that they often go into, you know, it's like medical school. Um, yeah, the kind of debt they go into to, to get all their training and then, you know, slowly start paying it off as they're working. But,
1: uh, yeah. And, and like, Pilots don't get paid. It's like, it's kind of deceiving, but like if, once you get into the industry, it's pretty low pay. Like it's not, you're not getting paid to pay off your debt. Like it's going to take quite a few years. Yeah. So I feel like I might be, able. I might not be getting still paid as well as tree planting probably, but I will be a step up in that. I'm not in debt already from that.
0: I'm curious to, going forwards, because um, of course you know you really love tree planting um, and you kind of have this nice balance of you know your career in flying and your career in planting. do you plan to kind of continue this into the foreseeable future like do you do you ever see um, an end date with with planting where flying will completely take over, or what are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I
1: I have a lot of thoughts on that because, yeah, I really am enjoying my balance right now in life. And I know that it's going to be disrupted here pretty soon. I actually wasn't sure if I would be even planting this here. And it it gave me a bit of anxiety, actually. I was dreaming about my crew leaving without me. And um, <laughs> so I've, I'm working on that. I'm working on, like, letting that go, which is hard. But um, I think that... My future hold definitely year time um piloting jobs um but i don't i don't ever see i don't really see myself leaving tree planting completely you know i i plant from home actually here in golden and it's really nice and i have a great company that like uh, has supported me in this so you know like i messaged my boss at the beginning of january and said i'm trying to get a pilot job don't take me off the list yet but if you know, if that comes up, you know, obviously that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, there's totally support of that, which is great. Um, so, you know, there is a possibility that like maybe in the next couple of years I get a pilot job and then maybe I'll come back to planting or something like that, but I haven't totally written planting off, but I know that like, it's the possibility that I'm going to have to leave it soon.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you think that, I mean, it's kind of hard to to look at this but I'm just curious um because I'm sure you've it's crossed your mind before do you think you would be where you are right now like becoming a pilot you know if you hadn't found tree planting oh that's tough one um I would I would hope so
1: because it really is my passion and as much as I love tree planting like there's nothing like flying around in the plane by myself or even with friends it's like it's, it's definitely something that is really freeing for me and and um i would hope that that i would have eventually got there i don't know if it would have been as such a smooth transition um without without tree planting. um my i have really supportive parents my dad was um well he he was a bit of a pilot. He didn't quite complete his training cause he went through military and they were pretty tough on him. But, um, he was, a, was always kind of like supportive of that, not in like a pushing me kind of way, but kind of like just always reminding me like, Hey, you know, like, don't forget you always wanted to be a pilot, like nudging me in that direction. So I think that eventually I maybe would have got there, but it wouldn't have been as yeah smooth and nicely balanced probably.
0: I'm curious as well um you know not to go into like a giant conversation with this but you know I have done a lot of flying um in the bush in the last 10 years and I have only ever once seen a female pilot um and I've never flown with a female pilot in my entire life and so you know of course we both know it's very much a male dominated industry still and and tree planting i would say um you know it's it's better but still quite male dominated especially in the management side and and i'm curious um you know being in both of those industries um like how that feels for you and how how it's been for you um as a female becoming a pilot
1: yeah, it kind of blows my mind that it is so male dominant. I mean, it's it, most things do for me personally. I, I grew up with brothers, and I grew up not, not, not. I'm, I've always identified as a female, but I've never like gone into uh, anything and been like, you know, I'm different. I'm a female. You know, I, I played hockey with the boys and played football with the boys, so when I go flying and there's boys around me, I don't really notice that that's a diff- I'm different from them. So it does blow my mind that, um, females or anybody really can feel that way. Like I, I have a hard time relating to that. So I get asked that question a lot, actually like, Oh, you're a pilot and you're female. Like what's that like? I'm like, well, it's like being a pilot, you know, it's, it. it, it the same for me (laughs) um it does i i don't know why it's so male dominant it's not you know it's not any harder for a female to do it than a male and in fact there is studies that have shown that females are um better pilots in emergency situations because they don't act on their gut mostly they like stop and think and then proceed and do the right procedures. And they look at the checklist and they do the right things. where a lot of like, or it's been shown that studies have said that males will jump in and just try to like save and, and often they can and they're fine. But um, so I, like, and I find that about myself, like I can be, I can go off my gut a lot, but when I'm, you know, in the exam, um, in the flight test, I, go in really nervous and I don't know what's going to happen, but when it happens, I'm like super calm and I follow the checklist and I just do the right thing. And all my examiners have said, you know, she was super calm. She did the right things. You know, it, it was, it's it very smooth flying. And I feel like that maybe something that comes from my female side where I'm like a little bit more um, calm about things like that, like hectic situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I'm not really sure I feel just like a pilot. I don't feel like a female pilot, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I'm, you know, there may be a a tree punter out there listening to this and uh, you know, who is a woman or who identifies as a woman and they want to be a pilot as well. Um, what advice would you give them? Um if,
1: if people have this, like, instinct to want to go flying or they've ever looked at a plane and went, oh, I want to do that, like, you can go to your closest airport, airport and go into um, the school or the hangar or whatever and find somebody and say, hey, can you take me for a flight? And most pilots would be like, heck yeah. Like, let's go. And, um, and like, your first experience of there, you'll know. Like, if you, like... If you want to do that, you you can feel it, you know. And and if you go into like a school, like a lot of airports have like flying clubs or whatever, you can get an instructor to come up with you, and you can actually fly the plane. They're called discovery flights, and you just have to like it's like one hundred fifty dollars, two hundred bucks. You go for an hour, and you fly the plane. And um, if you love it, just do that for like a couple of weeks and see how it goes. It's it's quite easy to get into if you. Are if you have the means, you know, if you have the financial standings, if you, you know, are near the airport, like right now I have to travel to the airport to get the plane. So that's a bit hard. It would be hard if I was starting out, but yeah, uh, that would be my advice for sure. If you feel like it's something you want to do, you, you, it's, you know, it's not like school where you have to like sign up and like apply and then get accepted and pay tuition and blah, blah, blah. You just, you go for a couple of flights and see how it is and probably fall in love with it.
0: (laughs) Awesome. And, you know, just to wrap up here um, a bit more generally, uh, what is one piece of advice you would give anyone who is considering going tree planting or will be going tree planting for their first time this season?
1: Um, I always like to tell people, like I've had a lot of friends go for first years and I always say, um, take more things than you think you need. And always, always bring extra layers because it may look like it's going to be a really sunny day and it could just start pouring on you. So bring that extra fleece and take that extra raincoat because you will thank yourself later.
0: Yeah, because otherwise you jinx it. <laughs> yeah, that's you. Get your raincoat, it's definitely going to rain. Yeah. That's pretty cool awesome alicia well thank you so much for coming on here and chatting with me today um it was really cool to hear your whole story and uh yeah i hope i get to fly with you someday
1: yeah let's do it yeah i'm i really enjoy being on here and i'm um, really glad you're doing this too because like half the time i'm in my piece i listen to podcasts and i always think there's nobody ever talked about tree planting <laughs>
0: so awesome. thanks, Aaron. Well, thank you. All right. Uh, I will talk to you later and I hope you have a great season. Yeah. Thanks, Karen. Talk to you later.